We were on a mission yesterday. And you know one of the things that really excites me about Project One is when everybody shows up, they have no idea, generally speaking, what they're going to do that day. None. They, they hit the project. Nobody really, well, the, the guy that's in charge of the project knows the plan in his mind, but he doesn't know who's going to do what. And it always seems like everybody just hits the ground. And after the first hour, everybody's kind of figured out what they're going to do and how they're going to do it. And then within our minds, it's not about me. It's, it's about serving this person and working together as a team. God just does amazing things throughout the course of the day. And you know what? Honestly, we can live our lives every day like that. Every day can be a project one day for us of sorts. Um, some of you are probably like, man, I got way too many projects to do every day, right? But, but, but when we think about other people instead of ourselves throughout the course of the day, God does amazing things. He just does. That's exactly where he wants us. You see, because God is on a mission. He's on a mission to seek and save the lost. And, and we've been going through this, for those that are just our, our guests today and, the, and you've missed the first three weeks, I want to just kind of catch you up really quick. God is on a mission to seek and save the lost, to save the world. In fact, he chose a nation, Israel, to be his agents or agency in the world. And then he sent a special agent, Jesus Christ, to do the work that only God could do. Something that we couldn't, we can't save ourselves. Jesus came to pay the penalty for sin. He took our place. He took on your sin and my sin. What an incredible gift. What, what an amazing God that, that it is that we serve. And, and every day we kind of go through life and we sort of take that for granted, I think. I, I, I know I do. And, and to just really think about the fact that any sin that I have committed and any sin that I will has been, has been covered. Jesus died. Jesus took that on himself. And when I get to heaven... He's not going to count that against me because of what Jesus did. Isn't that unreal? Isn't that un- what, if, what if you had a credit card like that? Right? Right? They didn't charge you anything. You, you didn't have to pay it back at all. Not even with interest. It just was debt free. What a gift that we get from Jesus Christ. He paid the penalty for our sin. He took our place. And as followers of Jesus Christ, Paul, the writer of most of the New Testament, he put it this way. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal to the world through us. And that's who we are as the church. That's us. All of us, we heard a couple weeks ago, are called to be an evangelist. And we hear that word evangelist and we think, ooh, I don't like it. I, I, I have preconceived notions of what an evangelist is. Well, the... the the, def- the simple definition of an evangelist is this, a bringer of good news, someone who brings good news. And we don't, while we don't all have the gift of evangelism, the Bible says that we are all to do the work of evangelism. And I, part of me thinks bringing good news isn't really work at all, is it? I mean, when, when, you, when you find the latest and greatest cold medicine that just took your cold away and you see somebody that has a cold, what do you do? You tell them about it, right? Because this is good news. You think this thing that works so good for you will work for them. And maybe it does. But we don't even hesitate, right? I mean, I don't. When I find something good, I like to blab about it all the time. And it's the same way with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We, we, we become bringers of good news. And we also need to recognize that evangelism the, is a process. It's not a single event. Okay? And, and we are all apart, and God wants to use us in different places in this process for somebody. Um, one of our team leaders had a conversation with somebody in the middle of the street yesterday, telling him about what we're doing, planting a seed. 
That, is, that was his part. He took advantage of that moment in time to be transparent and, and talk about what God's doing in his life, honestly, and through the life of the church. A seed is planted. Who's going to water it? Who knows? It could be somebody else from here. It could be this person again. We don't know. What we do know is evangelism is a process, and we need not fear it. We don't need to be afraid. We could look at the deceiver, saint, and say, you know what? I'm going to tell my story. And I don't care what that other person thinks or says about me. Maybe they'll be receptive. Maybe it'll be a seed that's planted, and later it will be watered. Evangelism is a process. And, and, and here's the thing that really takes the pressure off. God's the one that changes their heart, not us. God does it. And he will. He wants to. And, and so God will continue to work in and through us. He does the changing. He does the growing. We contribute as his ambassador. Uh, it's, it's about sharing the good news in the aisles of life. Honestly, I know I've said that multiple times in the last three weeks, but it's the best way to look at it. We're just walking through the aisles of life, and when, when God puts somebody in our path who's standing there staring at the shelves and says, I, I just don't know what to do, we can come up alongside them and say, can I share something about this decision or about this problem, about how God did something in my life? And, and we just simply share it, right? And, and one of the ways that we water a seed that's been planted, I believe, is by serving. It's by serving. Now, in our culture, through the last few decades, there's, there's been some people that people have wanted to be like. Uh, here's a picture of something that some of you may remember. Some of you may not even know who that guy is. But, yes, Garrett, that's Michael Jordan. The man that so many NBA players aspire to be like but have never, ever even come close, in my opinion. Okay? You may have different views for that. But there was this thing, be like Mike, right? Um, and what, what number was Michael Jordan? 23. Yeah, exactly. You don't even need to see his number, right? He is so well known that, that, that many of you know his number. And if you really want to be like Mike, you'll drink Gatorade. Because we know, we all know that that will make you just like him. Or wear his shoes. Wear shoes like him, right? There was even a, show this next slide. There was even a movie made, right? Like Mike. We want to be like Mike. We want to be like Mike. Well, what we're going to talk about today is the fact that, that Jesus wants us to be like him. That is where the bar is set. Now, you, you may think that bar is way past the bar that Michael Jordan set. Which is true, unless you're really terrible at basketball right? Then it doesn't matter how low the bar is set. Um, here, here's the thing, though. The Bible says that we are to be like Christ. It is a high calling for sure. And none of us, honestly, will ever make it. We will never be like Christ this side of eternity. We will never be perfect. We, never, we will never be sinless. We will never, um, we will never experience probably a day where we're not tempted and, and probably even give in to that temptation, whatever it may be. But, but, but the Bible says that we are to be like Christ. And I don't think God would expect us to, to be something that, that it wasn't healthy for us to be like. He said that we are to be like Christ, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, yesterday, again, we started with the motto, it's not about me. We had to remind a few people of that throughout the course of the day, Right? Um, and some of it was pretty funny, actually. Um, but this was Jesus' attitude when he was on the earth, really. It wasn't about him. 
You have the sovereign Lord of the universe who gave up heaven, came down here as a man, 100% human, and came here not to be served, but to serve. Think about that. None of us would ever do that. Of course, we're humans. I get that. But Jesus, that's what he did. You see, Jesus came to serve and not to be served. That's number one in your notes if you're following along in your notes. I I want you to turn to the book of Mark. We're going to start out in the book of Mark. No words on the screen today, so grab a Bible under your seats and find the book of Mark. It's the second gospel in the New Testament. There's, there should be some Bibles underneath the seats in front of you or in your row. If you didn't bring a Bible this morning, grab one of those. Turn to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. Now, before Mark chapter 10, the disciples are having this conversation. And, and it's a conversation not unlike what happens on sports programs all day long uh, and, and other programs. Who's the best? Who's the best? Who's the greatest? Who's the greatest? And the disciples are having this conversation. In fact, they're having this conversation to the point of they want to ask Jesus for a special favor because there's a couple of them that think they're pretty hot stuff. And they're like, um, Jesus, we think that maybe it would, would it possibly be okay if one of us was sitting at your right and one of us was sitting at your left in heaven? Now, part of me thinks, are you crazy? Well, how, would you, how could you even think this? How could you even think that you could uh, and would want to be to the right and to the left of Jesus? And, and then the other ten disciples heard that these two were having this conversation. And what do you think they thought? Oh, please. We know you guys. There's no way. And, then they, and so trouble's a-brewing within the twelve. And so Jesus sits them all down. And this is what he says to them in, in Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse, um, uh, let's begin reading in verse 42, actually, 42 to 45. Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So, in order to be like Christ, the first thing Jesus says is, we must serve. In order to be great, we must serve. Now, this should be pointed out in more places than in the front of the line at a carry-in dinner, because oftentimes that's what we say, right? The first shall be last, and the last shall be first. So if you're first in line at the carry-in dinner, well... There's your blessing, right? Who knows what's going to happen? No, I'm just kidding about that. But who doesn't want to be great? Who doesn't want to be great? We all want to be significant, don't we? We want our lives to count. We want to get up in the morning and go to bed at night, and as we're laying our head on our pillow, think, you know what? I did something significant today. Or my life counted today. And Jesus says, in order for you to be that, you have, you've got to give it away. You have to serve. You you. You have to serve others. Um, Think about it. Maybe it's when you've been over at someone's house or in a business. When someone is serving you, when they're willing to go above and beyond, your opinion of them goes up in your mind. Their their stock as a friend goes up. You're maybe more willing in the future to work hard for them. It's not that that we do that because we want something in return, but that's just... 
That's just really how it happens. And Jesus says, in order to be lifted up, we must humble ourselves. No one really, truly is greatly impressed by someone that is arrogant and proud, right? I mean, they get noticed, but we sort of scrunch our, scrunch our faces and go, eh, I don't like that guy. <laughs> or I don't like their attitude, right? I've, I've heard that before. I don't like this person's attitude. But a person that is often quiet and a few words but serves, though they don't necessarily stand out, at the end of the day, your opinion of them, if you really sat down and thought about it, would, would be, I think, great. It would be great. I mean, I don't, want on my tombs- I don't want my tombstone to say, he was served by many. Really? But, but, but what about, he served many? Or he had the heart of a servant? Jesus came to serve, not to be served. The Son of God and the Son of Man was himself the price paid to set us free. And and so at the center of all of Christian service in the world is the crucified and risen Lord. He's the center. He is the focus. And, 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 And he came, he died to liberate us into service. Think about that. He came to liberate us, to free us, to serve. Because if we're not free and we serve, generally we serve with the attitude of of looking for something in return. We have ulterior motives. And and when Jesus died on the cross and, and, and we understand the price that he paid for us and we are liberated by that, we are then liberated into service. And that's a true statement. We've been freed to serve. Freed to serve. And Jesus is our example of this. Even in his rightful position of God, Jesus says in verse 45, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, we've all been places where we've gotten bad service. Right? Some of you don't go to certain hospitals because you were treated poorly at one. And everybody thinks differently, honestly. One person says, this hospital is terrible, and one person says, this hospital is the best experience I've ever had in my life. Um, There was a doctor, and he was talking with this person, and he said, I see you're over a month late for your appointment. Don't you know that nervous disorders require prompt and regular attention? What's your excuse? The patient said, I was just following your orders, doc. And the doctor was like, following my orders? What are you talking about? I gave no such order. And the patient said, you told me to avoid people who irritate me. We've been to a restaurant and we've received bad service. Uh, just the other day, I was talking with some friends. We were working on a project and, and the infamous, to some of you in this room, the infamous ordering pizza online situation came to mind. Yes, there are some of you that remember that. I, I tried to order a pizza with my phone and I couldn't. It, there was this online deal, right? And I'm trying to order it. It wouldn't work. I tried five times. You know how that goes. You just think that it's a computer, right? It's, it's a, a phone. It's going to work this next time. It didn't. So I went and I tried it online on my computer. Didn't work. So I thought, oh, I'll just call them, right? I called them and I said, here's the deal. Here's what I want to order. And she goes, well, I'm sorry. I can't help you with that. That's an online order only. <laughs> Are you kidding me? The online doesn't work. You're telling me you can't. Nope, can't help you. Oh, I was so 
angry. I'm not sure I've eaten there since. <laughs> to be honest with you. I mean, I, I... That and I like the other pizza place better. So... <clears throat> But, but we've experienced those things, and, and we've made decisions based on those. Two brawny men came to install some new floor, floor covering in a kitchen for a, a lady, and once they, they moved the stove, they moved the refrigerator out of the way, um, it wasn't long before the job was done. And as they're getting ready to leave, the lady asked them if they could move the refrigerator and the stove back, and they pointed to the contract and said, that's an extra $145. And so, she had no choice. She couldn't move them herself. She paid the $145 to have them move those things back. And as soon as they left, however, the doorbell rang. It was the two men, and they asked the homeowner if she would move her car. (laughs) For $145, I will. (laughs) Turn to John 13. Two, Two chapters from Mark. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John 13. John 13. John Starting in verse 6. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part of me. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, probably with a sigh. A person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he was not, that's why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. That is what he is, teacher and Lord, Messiah, God, who created all things, and here he is. He has taken his clothes off, has a towel around his waist probably, and is getting down on the ground and washing dirty, stinky feet. Have you ever washed someone else's feet? Your mom says no, Garrett, sorry. You know, um, 
I've done it a couple times as an illustration at a service before, and, and it's, it does two things. It's extremely humbling to the person who's having their feet washed because they weren't ready, and they have to take their shoes and socks off, and who knows what could be on their feet, right? Like sock lint or something. I mean, really, in our culture today, our feet are pretty clean. These disciples, they have sandals on, and they, they walk everywhere. Grimy, dirty, stinky, probably sweaty feet. And here is the sovereign creator of the universe on his hands and knees with a pail or a bowl of water and a towel probably. And he's washing the dirt off of their feet. I'm guessing after Peter's feet, the water was pretty gross. And you can still clean stuff with dirty water, but it just, just I mean, think about that. That's our Savior. It's not about him. It wasn't about him. He came to serve, not to be served. Look at verse 14 again and following. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. So there's this expectation that Jesus has just as he serves, is serving them as an example that they would then serve each other. In this same way. I mean, they had just got done talking about who is the greatest, right? And Jesus is saying, now you need to wash each other's feet. That, that is where life is. That is where life is. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. You will be happy if you do them. You will feel good if you do them. I mean, we were all exhausted, some of us more than others, yesterday at the end of the day. But when asked the question, do you feel fulfilled at the end of today? I'm assuming everybody was being honest. Everyone said, yeah, absolutely. And, and we presumably did nothing yesterday for ourselves. It was all for this other person or this other family or whatever. It's, it's not enough to simply know what we are to do. We are to actually, number two, follow Jesus' example and serve. You can talk all day long about how you love someone. And when push comes to shove, actions will bear out the truth of that statement. Turn to Philippians chapter 2. I know we're going all over, but Philippians chapter 2. Paul is talking about what it means to be together in Christ and in the family of God, to be a church. Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, Paul says, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. So Paul says, first of all, I want you to be like-minded. He says, I I want you to be 
fully engaged in the mission together. Uh, you know, one of our mottos here at North Hills is loving God and loving people. When we keep that in front of us, and, and we recognize that it's not about me, being here together, it's not about me, it's, it's, there's a greater picture. It's loving God and loving people. Then we become like-minded. And that's what we want to do. That's where our focus is. Growing as followers of Christ ourselves and inviting others along to the adventure. Because the Christian life is an amazing adventure. God's mission on earth is to seek and save those who are lost. And he has said, you know what, people in Lingle, Wyoming, Goshen County, wherever you're from, Platte County, Scotts Bluff County, I want to use you. I want to use you. You are it. You're my hands and feet. You are my ambassadors. You are my agents where I have placed you. And God's mission on the earth is to seek and save those who are lost, those who don't know Jesus as their Savior and Lord. Be like-minded. Be like-minded. He also said this, consider others better than yourselves in verse 3. Man. I don't know about that one. Yeah, that's kind of my reaction too. Right there. Kicking and screaming, right? That's just too hard. Because it seems like every message in our culture is the opposite of that. But that's what we're to do. I mean, it's so humble and selfless and giving and un-American. Right? I mean, it seems that way. We have been given such a gift of living in the country and the place that we do. And too often we take that for granted or we turn it into in on ourselves and we forget that it is just that. It's a gift. It's a blessing. And, and there is a greater calling on our lives than just worrying about me. We're told on TV and other media and magazines and billboards, look out for number one. You deserve it. We deserve it now instead of saving it for the future. Spend it now. Pay later. Ha! Boy, do we, right? Have you, have you looked at the interest rates on credit cards lately? Some of them are like 25%. And I think, man, is it really worth it? Because paying later is really paying later. It, it, it becomes so much about us, it's all about me. But, but we are to consider others better than ourselves. We're, we're to be concerned about others' needs. Now, Paul doesn't say, don't worry about your own interests. He says we should look not only to our own interests. So we do have a responsibility in our own lives and in our own families. Okay? But there does come a point when that becomes soul mission in life and then it becomes wrong look also to the interests of others Paul says we're to consider others better than ourselves we're, we're to be concerned and try to meet others needs before our, 
before our own. Is that challenging? Absolutely it is. Is it biblical in a command of God? <laughs> yes, it is. We are to follow Jesus' example and serve others. And I... I don't, I, I've talked to other people. I have to say it this way. I've talked to other people who have been a part of other churches. And I'm way generalizing here, but a lot of the pastors and the, the people that I've talked to have been a part of other churches. Their culture is not, not like the culture here at North Hills. I mean, I, I, what a privilege and a blessing to be a part of this church for such a long time. And, and those of you who have been a part of it for a long, 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 long time, it is an incredible blessing. Now, for those of you who are visiting and maybe you're just trying to fit in, we're not perfect by any sense of the imagination. We drop the ball and we say things or don't say things when we should or shouldn't and we're people. We're people. Um, living the process of life together, going down the journey of life together and when we, when we live it the way God wants us to live it, though not perfect, it is, it, it is blessing. It is a blessing. And, and so I say, as a church, as on mission, let's keep it up. Let's keep it up. Uh, Project One is always the last Saturday of September. Mark it on your calendar today. You can just open your smartphone right now and you can block off that day. And every time something tries to pop on there, oh, oh nope, I'm busy that day. Nope, busy that day. Your boss at work says, nope, you got to work. You say, I quit. No, just kidding. (laughs) But we can plan ahead. We can plan ahead, and we're going to make an effort this next year to plan further ahead so that everybody knows that it's coming sooner. Then Paul says this. He says, we're to check our attitudes. I think this is the biggest one. This is the biggest one. Check our attitudes. Verse 5, he says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, Because of those things, God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, Jesus Christ himself submitted to the Father's will. Garden of Gethsemane, he says, Father, if this cup can be taken away from me, please, but your will be done. Jesus submitted himself to the Father. We too can submit ourselves to the Father. Jesus made himself nothing. He gave up his lofty position. We too can live a life of humility. Not seeking that award or that big prestige or whatever. Yes, having goals in life. Yes, having a business plan. Those things, yes, are not bad. If those, but if those things become the thing... then we have the wrong thing sitting on the throne of our life. Jesus gave up his lofty position, and we too can live lives of humility. Jesus was even willing to die for others. That's a tough one. 
you know, I think, I, I think, I've never been asked to place myself in this position before, but I think I would be willing to sacrifice my life for my family. For a friend, for an acquaintance, I, I don't know. I've never been put in that situation. I'm not a fireman. Okay, most people run away from burning buildings. Firemen run to them. Because they have dedicated their lives to helping and saving people and many times put themselves in harm's way. Anybody in, in service type jobs are, are kind of there. But, but, even, but even in that role, their chief would say, don't go in that building if it's dangerous for you to be in that building. But some of them just say, forget it. I'm... There was an apartment fire in Cheyenne just last week and some passerby, I mean, his wife was being interviewed and she's like, he just ran in there and helped a couple people get out of the apartment. And so let's follow Jesus example and live our lives here on planet earth reaching across the street and around the world living for him and for others more than we live for ourselves it's a big challenge but as we do that god will continue to do amazing things in and around us now maybe when you think of well so acts of service take the emphasis off of ourselves and they cause us to focus on those around us and ultimately bring the hope of Christ to them. Because they start asking questions like, why would you do this for me? Or can I pay you? And you say, no, thank you. I, I, I just did this because, you know, God, God loved me in an amazing way, and I want to return that to people. Planting a seed. Simple statement. Planting a seed. Somebody else may water it. Planting a seed. Now, maybe when you think of serving, you think of doing something in the church. You know, you think, well, I need to be serving. And and honestly, I want you to be serving. You know, I think we should all serve in some way, shape, or form within the body of Christ and within the ministries of the church and and, and be a part of the church's mission. But it's not just that. Okay, you you need to know that. But there are things, you know, there's Awana, there's Kid Zone, there's... um, we need small group leaders. We need folks that are willing to walk the road of life with others when they're in a hard time, either with the, the care ministry team. There's, there's four different groups in that. There's the Stevens ministry team that, 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 that those that are Stevens ministers went through a long, difficult process of schooling, I would say schooling. They're going to start a new session of, of training in January, be thinking about that. Maybe that's the Lord. Maybe the Lord has given you gifts of of, of being that person that people can share with troubles in their life. And, and uh, Stephen's ministry training can help you with that. Um, we've added a few different people up here on the worship team, but there's always room for new people to come and be a part. And You know, if you have a gift, if, if God has given you a gift and you think, yeah, I know what that gift is, but you're not using it, take that step. And say, hey, how, I, I have this gift. Can you help me get involved in using that gift on a monthly basis? Now, one of the greatest acts of serving involves sharing the gospel with people. And that's simply telling your story when the Lord puts somebody in, in your place to, to share. Um, I, I don't remember the name of the speaker 
but, but he said he was praying one day that the Lord would show him, you know, someone to share Christ with. And, and, and he's, he's like, you know, um, he got on this bus and, and he thought, well, maybe I could share the, you know, my faith with the bus driver. But he got all nervous and he didn't. He went, he went and sat down and, and then a person came and sat down next to him and he thought, well, maybe this is the person. But he found an excuse not to and, and you know, and then that person got up and moved up and then another person sat down and this person just looks distraught. And he's like, well, maybe this is it, you know. And then, of course, he's nervous and he's scared and, uh, to even engage them and and, and finally, you know, he'd convinced himself in his mind that this wasn't the person. And the person looked at him and said, do you know God? <laughs> he took advantage of that opportunity. There was no doubt that this was the appointment that God had given him that day. Sometimes they're more subtle than that. <laughs> Many times they're more subtle than that. But it's just sharing what Christ has done in your life with the people that you rub shoulders with every day. Uh, Many here today are engaged in serving friends and family through a time of loss. Man, keep it up. God's using you. If you're praying for somebody and, and, and they know it, remind them, continue to pray faithfully for them. There's this song, and we're not going to do it today. And Caleb, if you guys want to come up to the stage, we'll close with our final song and the ushers would get ready for our offering here at the end. And I didn't mention it, but there's connect cards in your, in your worship folders. You could tear those off. We'd love to hear from you. Um, you can put that in the offering plate. But there's this song. We're not doing it today, but it goes, They will know we are Christians by our love. By our love, they will know we are Christians by our love, by our love. And then I forgot the rest of it. Some of you that were raised in the 70s would know, right? But that's it. That's it in a nutshell. They will know we are Christians by our love. Not, it, it doesn't go, they will know we are Christians by what we say about love. Jesus said they will know we are Christians by our love. And, and, and then we will get an opportunity to share the good news as we love them. Well, let's be encouraged by that today. Um, I hope you come back next week as we start Courageous. I'm looking forward to studying some. You know, of course, the book of Daniel, there was lots of courage in that book. Something I think we need in our culture today is Courage. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your amazing grace, a free gift. And Father, I pray that we would maybe visit with our husbands or our wives or our sons or our daughters or our friends with what it looks like for us to live for others and not ourselves. I pray, Father, that as we leave these doors today that we wouldn't just say, oh, that was a great sermon. What a, what a good word. And, and then not have something actually become a part of our life this week. My prayer is that you would use us, this North Hills Church family, and to proclaim the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ that we could be a blessing to others. And now, Lord, we 
we give of our tithes and our offerings and we worship you as we do that and we worship you with our voices as we close with this song. In Jesus' name, amen.